Welcome to the Zero Ambitions podcast. Um, this week we're joined by Barbara of John Gilbert Architects and um, it's myself, Sarah Edmonds and Jeff in the room um, or in separate rooms as we still are. <laughs> um, hi, Barbara. Nice to see you. Hi. Hi. Hello. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining um, us, Barbara. I think Duncan yeah. will be possibly joining us too. Uh, We'll see we'll see what kind of state he's in by the time he joins us but yeah he, hopefully hopefully he'll be he'll be tagging along i'm Back. just going to make a little apology off the off the bat because i i'm hoping that nobody can hear it but i have uh children dancing as if there's no tomorrow in the room above me and my husband at the same time playing an electronic drum kit so i don't know if any of that's coming through to you guys i, I don't so. no i can't hear them are the two related sarah <laughs> you wouldn't know you just wouldn't know um but they're all having fun so that's okay this is what happens when that's you know, good that's important i've got a kid uh wailing i think not out of discomfort, I just think out of boredom. Uh, or, or, <laughs> that or not, doesn't bode well for the Christmas holidays, Jeff. If it's day <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. It's um, it's they talk about it as a break, but really, yeah, the opposite sort of. There you go. You know, break we'll, for the schools, yeah. for the teachers, and <laughs> for sure that. I mean, I, I think what we wanted to talk about a little bit um today was that it felt to me, and I think others that we've talked about, that 2021 was the year of publications, and particularly in the world of retrofit in the yeah. domestic sphere. Um and um Barbara, I'm all I'm like a big fan. I'm dying to hear more about the work of, of John Gilbert Architects and particularly what you were doing around the tenement um guidebook. Obviously, there's other things and you're not limited to talk about that. But do you want to tell us a little bit about um who you are and what you have been working on in that area? Yeah, sure. Well, um, well, thanks, of course. Thanks for inviting me. I'm um I think this is really important space to 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 have the discussions and and try to um to well, they continue elaborating and, and analyzing what's going on because, as you were saying, there is a lot going on, and it's important to to uh, to try to summarize this and and talk about this regularly. So, uh, I'm actually so I've been uh, working in JGA for what is it seven years now. I started doing POE and building performance evaluation work uh, for a HAP. Lab, which is um service within John Gilbert Architects. And it's really interesting how all this is tying up. And you also realize how small Scotland is. But we we started a, one of our first projects at Hub Lab involved uh Renfrewshire Council and uh, Duncan. And what we were trying to look we were, what we tried to do and what we did is to quantify with building performance evaluation studies uh, performance gap issues. And we were also trying to understand how existing buildings were um, performing in practice because we, we, we were aware of all the studies that you probably know about highlighting performance gap issues, but we wanted to uh, have evidence, hard evidence, provide hard evidence for our uh, clients, which are general housing associations and local authorities uh, on, on performance gap issues and on how their uh, stock is performing. So that's how I started at uh, JGA. I'm, I'm now doing 
I'm now working, I would say, 95% of my time on retrofit projects from deep retrofit, Enerfit to past 2035, past 2038, and other type of uh, consultancies around building performance and retrofit. So uh, all the publications that you that you, well that uh, uh, the last year and everything around retrofit really affects our work, and it was really very exciting to um, to see this. Well, uh, starting two years ago with past 2035, it was good to see that what we were doing, what we were trying to implement with our clients was actually shown in a standard, not in, it's not a British standard, but it's it's a pass. So it's a, that was a really good start. We They were starting to talk about whole house retrofit and fabric first and, and, and these things and acknowledging performance gap issues. Yeah. And that was, Great. It still it still is, and we still. Um, I think the industry is still trying to adapt and, and, and trying to absorb all of that and trying to make it happen in practice. And then we had this year's uh, Letty uh, Climate uh, Emergency Retrofit Guide was was also brilliant. I think I think one of the ins- very inspirational things about these guides is that they're not trying to compete. They're trying to yeah. absorb all what's available. All, most of the most robust uh, strategies, retrofit strategies and standards, for example, Enerfit from one side and past 2035. And they're just trying to absorb that and try to uh, provide a useful document for local authorities and, and professionals. They're, they're, they're complementary, aren't they? I mean, uh, but I, I just want, it's just a strange thing to hear an architect talking about, um, you know, building performance evaluation. I mean, you're not meant to be doing, you're meant to be cutting and running when the buildings are finished, right? <laughs> you know? know what they actually perform like. That's beneath you, no? It's, it's, that's, it's, that's... They, they publish, publish them in the magazine, the nice pretty pictures, <laughs> and uh, and talk about that, and then and then, and then leave the leave the Take the picture, the take the here. nice picture while the buildings are empty. <laughs> Never yeah. take pictures when people left all their stuff there. No, no. I mean, no. God forbid that you show a building with yeah. occupants. That's quite no. no. <laughs> but it yeah. is interesting that you are. I mean, the, I I agree with you, Jeff. Like the idea. I, I mean, as I, as you were talking, Barbara, I was thinking, wow, what a great place to have been working. That like, that's where your heads were at while yeah. the industry was trying to do the same thing beyond that. And and I think yeah. that's really heartening. I mean, I think the other point that you made about the Letty Guide was exactly that when. When we, I've been in so many calls over the last two years with people talking about retrofit, and often some of the questions from the wider listenership of some of those calls have been like, "Why are there so many standards?" And first of all, I don't think there are so many standards. But um, second of all, I think what is great about the Letty Guide is that it does. I kept wanting to say to people because I was involved in 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 volunteering in part on the Letty Guide and knew what was coming. And really was just saying to people, just wait, just wait for the Letty Guide because it just puts it in context. And then you'll see like what one you should be looking at and yeah. why and how yeah. to use it as a set, yeah. uh, like as a skill set nearly of like how to aim your project based on the particular criteria of that project, which I think is yeah. what's interesting about it. Yeah, no, definitely it is. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, yeah, it doesn't incorporate really all the, all what's out there, but it that it it from, this is personal. This is what how we can see it. It it does try to combine robust robust standards, performance, and uh, standards like a uh, past that are, are not really a, a 
performance target, but are suggesting how the retrofit process should be in order to um, follow a whole house retrofit approach and other things. And to and also again to mitigate par, uh, performance gap uh, issues, uh, but yeah, I think the thing about building performance, which is mentioned in the Letty guide and it's mentioned in past twenty thirty five, um, understanding that buildings first acknowledging retrofit as a key element to meet climate change uh, targets that's very very important. I. Um, I, I, what the reason why I was excited with all this uh, standard is that uh, when I first moved to UK, I, I, I was deeply interested in ex in existing buildings. I was lucky enough that I found JGA and a group of people who were also very passionate about existing buildings. And I think that's just I was good luck because you don't always meet people like that. And I think that's. I was good. That's that's a good thing about our office, which is our group of people who are very interested in very specific things. Um, that includes retrofit conservation, uh, natural materials, health, uh, and all all what's really human centered human centered design. So for both existing and new build projects, but the important thing is that uh, is that I found a practice that was willing to. Uh, go for this and at the same time uh, years actually this was a couple of years after because this happened maybe started to happen two three years ago uh, we started to see these publications where th things uh, got a bit more real uh, I, I would also include the work that the passive house trust has been doing uh, seeing more practices, trying to push for passive house, because it's not only us, there are other practices around there that are pushing archetype and collective. They're also pushing for yeah, passive yeah. house, which is important because we sometimes uh, people can, uh, from the outside, it looks like we're, we are trying to compete and, and we're probably not because what we're trying to do is improve things. So yes. the more the more architects do, the, the more architects are trying to do this, the closer, the fastest we are going to, to meet the target. So that, that's super important. And in that context, seeing all these publications was yeah. really important, was really reassuring. But um, I think uh, we also have to understand how it, it, complex it is to implement all of that. And that uh, maybe that link to the, the, the wider um, context, we, we we do we do need more support from the government. I think only having standards and best practice guidances that might not <laughs> be uh, sufficient. Uh, but yeah, it is. It's really exciting times. I think. And I, I would also I, I add that there, there is also now a past twenty thirty eight standard for uh, commercial buildings. So you know, and and you have the. Uh, UK green green building uh, publications were reassure you know they they all confirm the importance of whole house retrofit uh, and import the importance of trying to um, incorporate try to find a robust solution for solution for all this not only energy efficiency targets we have to look at health issues we have to look at and how buildings are uh, are, are being used and how uh, occupants are using them. But we also have to look at the procurement 
side and yeah. try to see how we're implementing all this in 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 a very con, a complex scenario of different type of buildings. I mean, I think I think there's so many things when you were talking that were coming up in my mind about like from everything from the education perspective to um, how practices are engaging with these things to how you find those tools. But actually, I think you kind of got to the crux of the matter towards the end of your statement there about um, support and lacking from the government. So we're in the process locally here trying to set up our own like retrofit delivery service in a community perspective. And what we are coming back to time and again is the incentivization of the delivery of some of it, because, you know, I've had people say, oh, you know, like the building regs are just the minimum standard. It doesn't mean you have to just do that. You can do more. But until until people don't have to just do the minimum, it's very, very hard to like get a wider like uptake of a better standard without all of the other bits that go with that through the kind of reform of education, which ACAN are plugging away at, I know, and through um, the sharing of information, which obviously, Jeff, you do through the, the magazine. Um, but there are so many elements to that. But without a better standard where people will always fall to that lowest common denominator, it's it's a real problem. I think this is where, having seen, you know, the latest um, publication of the interim, like, Part L guide, it's just incredibly disappointing. Yeah. Again, and I was going to ask you, Barbara, about, um, I mean, so many questions and I'm possibly hopping around here, but um, heat and building strategy this yeah. year. Your reaction to that? Yeah. Well, I, I think just to start, because uh, when we talk about performance gap issues and what we see in buildings and talk about this new uh, programs and funding schemes, uh, I, I don't want to be 100% negative about it. I think there are good intentions. Uh, this kind of programs will have at they probably will improve at some extent uh, building stock, but uh, it will probably not improve, uh, will not probably not decarbonize properties as expected, and it will introduce unintended consequences. So you have those things. So first, from just purely from a capital investment point of view, if you investing hundred pounds, you probably are going to see the benefit only of thirty pounds out of it, you know, or uh, so not to be so negative. And on top of that, sorry, yeah, go go for it, go for it. I'll jump in in a second. Yeah, yeah. sorry. And, and on top of that, you will be introducing uh, unintended consequences, which will cause issues to the residents, issues to the building stock, and you will have to go back and solve those issues and uh, issues and that's expensive it's disruptive and it's a problem it's a very big problem so i i don't want to be completely negative but it's it's a they are not a all the nice things that we've been saying about standards trying to implement a whole house retrofit approach a fabric first approach and the importance of doing that and the importance of having robust standards in place that's probably not the case of that scheme. So that uh, that's not that good. <laughs> oh, absolutely. And all I was going to say, and you've, you've kind of addressed it, I think, in a way anyway, um, it, and, the, and apologies again, you don't need to apologize for me interrupting you, you know. Um, <laughs> the, I'll, I'll take it, though. Yeah. <laughs> um, but um, no, uh, 
when, when we're talking about retrofits now and the stuff that's gone on in, in, in recent years, would you have a concern? I mean, I, I can see some scary stories on the periphery starting to emerge about recently conducted retrofits or stuff that's been done within the last 10 years, kind of contractor-led stuff in particular. Um, oh. Would you have concerns that we're going to end up uh, uh, repeat re- retrofitting the retrofits um, and, that, and that if we don't have su- sufficiently robust requirements in now, uh, that we're going to end up uh, having to revisit some of these buildings that, that are being maybe where the work's going to be done next year even you know uh forget about the stuff yeah. that's already been done um do you think there's a risk of us of, of us uh have, having to you know built-in obsolescence through stu- through incompetence and, and and failure to kind of think about these things is that is that a, a worry for you yes it is it is because we are currently looking at retrofit strategies for buildings that have been uh, retrofitted in the last two years and for new built that has been built in the last 15, 10 years. So that's already a very bad sign. And so, and because the what? industry hasn't improved that much, I can't see how that's not going to continue happening. Mm. Uh, and just, just, uh, just to just to reiterate that, you you did just say that you're talking about retrofitting buildings that have been retrofitted within the last two years. Yes. Yeah. Wow. I mean, yeah, so yeah. The and I don't want to show the, the images. It's 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 bad. Main cause of that is not having a whole house retrofit strategy in place. There was there is nothing particularly wrong uh, about any of the systems. It's just that they haven't been designed in a way in a holistic way, and that's why the uh, yeah very. No, I think this comes around to like what you started to explain about your journey with JGA, right? And getting to know buildings getting to know them, understanding how they behave. We had a um, discussion um, with Dane um, not so long ago yeah. about um, the IOP technology, about just monitoring, getting to understand buildings and how they behave. And yeah. I think this is so, so important because everybody wants a fix now. Everybody recognises that we've got to do stuff now, but for different reasons. So all of us over here are being conscious of like what's going on with the emissions from the construction industry and how can we address that and how can we support, like, let's be honest, we're doing all of this stuff so that we can support both the industry and government, whether they listen to us or not. Yeah. Um, but we're doing it because we want, we know we've all got this desire to like help and to drive the, the solutions to like make them applicable and, and show how to do that. But when you've got a short term focused um, group of policy leaders and then on top of that funding circle funding cycles are mm-hmm. maybe annual and maybe don't support sort of like let's see what your intervention is people want to see like action people want to see a load of external wall insulation yeah. don't want to say oh well, we've spent 12 months getting to know our building stock when actually mm-hmm. get to know it give yourselves the 12 months make that a really valuable thing get to know that building stock through however the monitoring is going to be through however all the assessments are going to be and then do the interventions and do them well and do them once, yeah. um, you know, and then like build it in. So like, I think what you're talking about is all with the whole house plan, yeah. not being backed in for, you know, into unintended consequences and, and dangerous interventions or that the ones that have locked you out of anything good, yeah. that actually you don't have to deliver it all immediately, but at least you do it sequentially in a way that is going to allow it to have the best positive outcome. Yeah. And I think this is what brings me back around to the the, you know, you said you know you don't want to be negative about um about you know some of the stuff that's come out. But I think as well, it is emergency. So like it's not so much negativity, I feel, that what comes out, it's much more exasperation because yeah. 
it's not it's not hard to get your head around what the problem is. And when you have a bunch of people in the industry who are all saying, here, look, like this is part of the solution, like roll that out and it will help. And when it's not listened to and you mm-hmm. think, oh, we've got just over seven years left, come on. Like mm-hmm. it's it's really frustrating. So like, I think this space for drama, like I think that's okay as well. Like <laughs> our reactions to this. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it- we do understand the complexities on how, how complex and bureaucratic the system is. I don't think our our clients sometimes have the best of the intentions, mm-hmm. but there is a reality that they have to spend the money that they get mm-hmm. within a year or within a very, very short period of time. Otherwise, they lose it. So they are between not doing anything at all, doing very, very little or and having to, you know, or, or doing it, trying to do it as quick as possible. And that's an issue. We we have uh, acknowledging this uh, issue. We, uh, my role at the first two years that I worked at JGA was to develop a commercial approach for building performance evaluation. So instead of uh, having a very complex academic um, study, we develop. We try to we developed with a university with the Glasgow School of Art. By then, now we're working for, with Strathclyde a methodology to try to make that commercially feasible. So there are ways around. There are people who are trying to make it feasible from a commercial point of view. They are acknowledging issues with funding limitations. I think we can try to adapt. There are techniques that are spot measurements. You could do minimal things to know how buildings perform, but you have to go to the building. You have to talk to residents. You have to go and see the issues. You have to see the mold and people desperate because they just got insulation to their houses. They have asthma problems and the house is moldy. Mm. You can't not feel frustrated after that. And by saying this, I'm not saying that authorities don't know this or are trying to ignore this. I, I know that they, they some of them do know this. They do. They have invited us. We have presented these results. So it's not that they are just denying this reality. But uh, changing this takes, uh, well, demands a good amount of resources and time. And that maybe it's not, it's just not a priority now. It doesn't seem to be a priority compared to other things that are co- going on in the in the wider scale and of the politics uh-huh. <laughs> and, 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 and the context. Uh, so yeah, it is frustrating. We we do see we do see very good clients who are trying to do things very well. We have some very inspiring projects where we're really trying to implement and and an simple or more complex solutions. So we do have projects where things are actually working well and clients who are trying to do their best and they do manage to <laughs> to make that happen. So it's not I, all negativity. No, they do, and I think this is true. I think I'm 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 conscious also like put this in the in the light of of optimism that it deserves as well because of the fact yeah. that there are so many people talking about things and that there are so many people trying to work in the right direction and I'd have to say as well to give um local government their due certainly councillors or people that we're speaking to are all ears all ears like how can they do this and and given the pressures that they're under what's the best thing to look to and Uh and how can they how can they take it forward and they want to and they're stuck in systems that maybe don't serve this sort of change of of pace and tack that we've got to Mm -hmm. do to in order to deliver that of course they want to do the right thing it's just unfortunate that there isn't always the support coming from central government as there should Mm -hmm. be and I think it's fine for us to be quite you know demanding of, of that government who have shown that they can make moves quickly when they've got 
the right fire burning underneath them. I'm just not mm-hmm. sure that they recognize this as that right kind of, of, of fire. And we've talked a lot, Jeff, haven't we, about um, how comfort and health and those are the things that need to be front and center of this. And, and it shouldn't be too much of a jump, of a leap of imagination when we've all been talking about the importance of people's health, particularly respiratory health, over the last two mm-hmm. years. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a long-term improvement strategy that should be an absolute no-brainer to any government leader. Yeah. Um, it's just a shame that it doesn't appear to be immediately taking hold just yet. Yeah. You'd hope so. I would say that well, well, there's lots of positive stuff happening in some cases at local government level, and you get positive attitudes at times at local, local government level. I've definitely seen the opposite too in in, in very um, kind of bleak ways, you know, in, up to and including um, when I lobbied for the Passive House uh, or equivalent policy in Delirio F Down in, in South East Dublin. Um, uh, a few years ago, we got we got a, a requirement through to make all uh, that, that all new development in the, in, the, in the county would have to meet the passive standard or equivalent um, and um, there was one councillor who shall remain nameless who uh, who came mm-hmm. along to the meetings I organized a sort of a town hall meeting in a hotel and he he came along with his with his point the young fella um, uh, who was uh, subsequently uh, came, came he seemed very affable at the time but he, he came out I think he was a MAGA head you know anti-immigration um, he got kicked out of of, uh, of Fine Gael, the, the the sort of centre right party in in Ireland. So although you may not be naming names, I think we can all do a bit yeah, of research. Right, yeah. <laughs> but I also like the fact that uh, you know he he uh, he uh, seemed to put me down incorrectly in uh, in 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 his phone for. Um, uh, so I, I, for a period afterwards of a couple of years, I've been getting text messages from him saying, hi, Rod, uh, and giving me a tip on a horse at one of the horse races. <laughs> like, okay. Wow. You know, okay. uh, I'm just trying to clarify that with him. But anyway, I, I don't know. Like, th- th- There have been a few things like that I've seen and councils that have been um, trying to remove things from social housing projects, uh, remove, you know, uh, in one case, I've heard rumours of a council removing a tree from a social housing scheme because they were the, the argument what the councillors were making was that it was going to be a, a potential potential repository for drugs. Oh, you know? yeah. I mean, so, that's yeah. just holding the worst possible view of humanity <laughs> in your hands, there, isn't it? I mean, but I have a question. Also, about... where am I supposed to stash my drugs now? No? <laughs> <laughs> well, Jeff, I don't know if you want to be talking about that now. <laughs> Um, it's been a hard year. We hear you, Jeff. We hear you. Um, but there are, but there are I, positives, yeah. I, I wonder, though, as a practice active in all of this, um, you know, having been able to, like, see um, the positives or the different, you know, reports coming out, how did you find some of these as actual practical tools to help you? So, like, did the Letty Retrofit Guide, is that something that's been useful in ways of either communicating with clients or just upskilling your work, your, your, your staff, or, you know, what, what sort of ways have you found it or other, um, um, like publications this year, how have you found them? Yeah, I think, uh, Letty and the past standard pass, uh, standards. And of course, uh, of course, passive files, but that's, uh, it's, Maybe an obvious thing because we, we, several of us in the practice are passive house designers. There are seven, six, seven. So, passive house to us, and we've been campaigning for passive house for quite a few years. So, that is something that it's well incorporated. So, I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, but about the new uh, standards, I'll include the 
uh, LEDI guide on embodied carbon. That was super important. That was very, very useful for our practice because embodied carbon was something that was an uh, we knew about it. We were trying to develop it internally. We were trying to develop uh, methodologies, but the knowledge out there was very limited. So that was very useful. We uh, we used it and we are still using it. Uh, it's difficult because it's it's difficult to implement it if, if it's not, a, not always a building a regulations requirement, but it helped us to uh, to inform clients and um, train ourselves on on those uh, subjects, uh, the the retrofit uh, the Letty guide on retrofit that's also important because it I think the, the most interesting things uh, on the Letty guide is that it uh, incorporates I think it's a very informative uh, standard or, or document for clients because they it incorporates all the things that we are interested in. It incorporates what, what we said before. It's not only about energy, operational energy. It's about embodied carbon. It's about whole house retrofit. It links past 2035 with um, with uh, Enerfit because it's, it uses Enerfit as, as the, is it the preferred or the, it, it, yeah, I think it's one of the, the, the two targets. Mm. But it, uh, it also um, talks about um, conservation and uh, and heritage so it, it is as holistic as it can be and i think it's good uh, standard to pro to to support our projects and also um provide information to our clients i think it has been very useful um and past 2035 and 20 uh, 2038 have also been useful mainly past 2035 because it uh, it formalized a methodology that we were already uh, using. So we were actually going, measuring buildings, yep. evaluating them, doing air tightness test, thermography. For Duncan, who's now here. We were doing that, Duncan, for past 2035. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and uh, we, so we were evaluating, knowing how buildings were performing, so identifying what was working, what not, and basing our retrofit strategies on that and monitoring them again. So, and that's what, that's a very simplified uh, summary of what past 2035 is. But what, so it's not that we, uh, we, we knew the, the, the process, but what helped us is to, it was a, a very reassuring thing to see. It formalized and we were able to produce templates that were referring to a specific standard. It wasn't just a made-up thing that we had developed within the practice. So that was really good as well. So to talk, to like to take it somewhere where I wasn't expecting to take it then, commercially, it must also be quite a positive thing to see these publications coming forward when it sort of just underlines the practice and the position that practices like JGA have been taking, that then suddenly all this industry-led stuff, not government-led stuff, but this industry-led stuff comes out and it's basically like, oh, yes, yeah, so you know what we were saying? Well, here it is in this other, you know, document. And I think what I why, why I'm sort of interested in this particular hook is that you always get this pushback. You always get that we don't have time to train up and we don't have time to invest in that. And our clients aren't interested. Mm -hmm. You're a case in point of where actually we were doing that anyway. And our clients were, and we were 
running quite a successful business. Thank you very much. And now everybody else, I mean, is there an element as well where you're kind of going, well, it took you all long enough, like, catch up. Well, it's, it's just, it's just what you said. That's, that's one of the things that we've been facing recently because the past 2035 is now a, a requirement. It's a, it's, it's, a, it's a requirement for many retrofit funding schemes and it's a requirement for many of the, the Scottish government funding schemes. And many people are complaining because they, uh, they say that it's, it's, it's too complex and uh, there's no time to incorporate and, and to in, in, introduce all these changes. But they know that this has been, uh, you know, yes, it is. It, it's a big change, but many of us have been talking about this for years and many uh, local authorities and housing associations have been trying to implement this. So it's, uh, you see, I think there is a gap in uh, from clients who approach us or people who really don't, they, they are interested to meet compliance targets, but they are really trying to meet the minimum possible. And others who, who could see that this is what uh, was beginning to, uh, to happen and they were wanting to be ahead of that uh, curve. And uh, they are now in a robust, comfortable uh, position and others knew that this was going to happen and are complaining because it didn't do enough. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's complicated. But yes, it is. It helped us. I think um, it, it's still it, it, it's still a problem to try to sell this commercially when it's not a necessary uh, requirement. For example, embodied carbon. Yeah. Uh, so we do have to do a very we have to invest a lot of time trying to convince and convince and have meetings and try to insist and sometimes. Uh, sacrificing our time or, or seeing it as an invest an investment to, for future projects. So there is a lot of that, but I think the standards definitely help. They are they are reassuring and and they help definitely. Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, um, I, um, I, I I guess I bring my own experience to this as a kind of a, a very kind of um, anal obsessive over um, over quite uh, obscure music and stuff over the years. Is this the phenomenon that happens occasionally that a, a band that you like, or whatever, become uh, quite popular? You know, mm. um, <laughs> and you have this whole "I like them before they were cool," kind of thing, <laughs> you know? and, and you start to and you, and you want you, when you're when you're out there obsessing over these bands, you want to show them to people and you want people to love them. But when they love them, they're like, "No, no, you don't understand it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you can't have them. Move away. You know. Um, Except, so, yeah. however, Jeff, you're fully behind everybody getting on board with this and sharing widely. Right? You're not going to go all obscure. Well, and I'll, just and I'll move on to something new then. That uh, the, by that stage, you know, that'll be uh, you know, th they'll be like, but that was so like 2013. You should have been onto this stuff, you know. Hey, Jeff, I tell you where you can go with it then. You go, you go pushing on with regenerative design, right? Go further. Go, let's make our let's make our retrofits regenerative. There, now you take that and run with that for the next ten years. Well, this is <laughs> the, the, what what I would say now. The thing that that, I, and I'd be interested in your in 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 uh, all of your perspectives on this. Really, actually, um, is um, I kind of feel like the level that we're at now, um, and I don't want to be too bleak about this. Um, you know. I have a fear with the climate science and stuff as well that at times that it can be a little bit on the conservative side um, mm -hmm. and that the the real data that's coming back tends to be a bit scarier than the modeling was was expecting. Um, yeah. So it feels to me like we 
we had this kind of dichotomy in the past, um, uh, which was, you know, the, from some people who were kind of arguing against action, I suppose, between um, um, people who were who were who were dissenting voices and who were trying to stop action, you know, went through this, these different sort of phases of kinds of arguments and, and and moved to a stage, you know, we moved to a stage with some of them where where um, the argument is effectively look, it's too late, um, so we just have to kind of try and adapt, right? Um, now. Of course, that's ridiculous. You know, we we can't we can't uh, get into that position. It's absolutely absurd um, um, and reckless. Um, but are we not maybe in a position now where we need to think both about mitigation and adaptation at the same time? In other words, trying to find ways, really, you know, nimble and clever ways to kind of minimise uh, impacts and emissions uh, wherever we can, but doing so in a way that that deals with the fact that we've got, you know. A, we might have a lot more change locked in than we've anticipated. Um, and also that that may bring uncertainties in terms of microclimate and stuff that we just don't know. We don't know uh, what, what the impact is, go is going to be on our climate in, in any given region of the world, you know? So how do you, is that something you think about um, as, uh, as, a, as a jobbing designer, for instance, you know, uh, and how, how do you, if so, how do you bring that into your work? So would the question be how far should we go uh, or... or Not just, yeah, but not just in terms of mitigation, in terms of, you know... Um, Adaptation. Uh, yeah, like uh, designing a building that, that, uh, that you know, with a 2050, 2080 kind of extreme climate change scenario yeah. in mind and with the possibility yeah. that we may have a lot hotter, uh, wetter weather. We may have oh, yeah, a lot definitely. colder weather at times as well. You know, we may have, we, we just, with a Gulf Stream collapsing you know with with with, with evidence yeah. of that as well there's just there's there's uncertainties in this that, that uh, it's, it's designing for climate resilience isn't it which is lacking maybe in education um or has been to a point but maybe it's quite difficult to sell that without a kind of a a, a collective agreement on this is where we're headed i suppose which is what the lack of potentially the more mm, shocking and hard to um swallow climate science and really making that part of our reality to design for. So I think like there are people out there trying to push the designing for climate resilience, maybe in the academic world, but I'm not sure like how much that's landed in practical terms. I'm not sure that's something yeah. that we're necessarily all talking about. I don't know. Is that the kind of thing, Jeff? Well, I'm just thinking that, you know, like if I look at the works of some of the more, um, the certain pacifist designers out there, the likes of Nick Grant, for instance, who would come to mind and, and uh, the kind of close cabal of people that he works with, who will argue against having overly showy passive houses you know they're not his he'll tend to keep the glazing glazing ratios quite quite low you know and have kind of an inherent robustness in in in, in, in simplicity in the detailing and i think that kind of design potentially that's you know you could it's kind of a building that you could plunk short of flooding um that you could plunk in most locations in the world and it'll be pretty it'll it should perform pretty well you know, I would hope. Um, so um, it's that, that's that's I guess part of what I'm thinking. About. I mean, there are these other issues around um, around you know increased horizontal rain, all these kinds of issues as well that that, that yeah. come into it too. But um, it just strikes me that you know that, that there there are approaches. It might be that that that, that these arguments that, that there are solutions that we already have out there that, yeah. that we that we can uh that, that we can go to which will which where this is just an, an added piece of a kind of maybe um 
you know, a piece of vine or a bit of comfort mm-hmm. that, you could, that you can have that your building should be robust enough. Uh, Definitely. At it, you know? I think th- this is, I think, one of the things that we were discussing about doing it uh, as a designing as holistic incorporated. It's really not only about energy. It's it's not. It, energy efficiency was a thing maybe in the early 2000s or in the 90s. Now it's, we should go beyond that. We should look at other things. Robustness is a thing. Um, designing uh, and incorporating strategies for a climbing uh, for a changing climate it's a thing uh, within our practice we we have developed uh, we have looked at this and developed different strategies this is mainly Chris Morgan and, and Matt uh, Bridgedock they did develop this they did look at, at this for both retrofit and uh, new build and we have done, we have incorporated to our, so we did some work in depth where we have looked at this in depth um, and, and see how houses have to be designed to adapt to climate change. And what we have also done without going really in uh, meetings or, or going into so much depth, we have adapted our basic specification, went through all the points and trying to see which of the the elements are linked to these issues and try to um, to adapt that. For example, uh, rainwater goods. Duncan, you know this because we have discussed this many times, and we, we uh, you also have asked us to to look at this. We we're trying to oversize them because we know that storms are going to be stronger and rainfall, and they are uh, they they are. Um, there are stronger storms and they happen more suddenly and the current uh, specification for rainwater goods are not going to be able to, to, to deal with that. So we have started to look at that. We're trying to specify materials that are durable, not UPVC, not only because plastic is environmentally very negative. It's also that it's not durable. Um, um, we also looked at uh, for retrofit different specifications for uh, the finishings. We looked at rain screens, which can protect the the envelope. So it's when we do retrofit, we we have done a lot of woofy calculations and studies. Not only what different insulation materials can do when you uh, install them internally, externally, or within a cavity. We also looked at options on how to protect the fabric. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's challenging to implement this because they don't fall under any funded um, item. Wow. <laughs> you know, how can you justify a rain screen? Under which, which uh, how, how can you... Uh, how can you convince someone to, to get that funded? It's difficult because it's more expensive. Uh, it's definitely expensive, but it future-proofs a building. It will protect it. It will future-proof it. And we also looked at different materials and, and things. And the other thing is that uh, something that also future-proofs buildings, it's to uh, explore systems that are uh, user-friendly, that yes. people will be able, that they age well, they are durable, and people won't have issues. So if they are, if they are easy to use, if you provide simple guidance on how to use them, the systems are going to last longer. So that's also in, in a certain way, future problem. I'm and of course, saying. taking aside the fact that if you are if you um, implementing a fabric fur approach, that's the most robust <laughs> way of of 
of future-proofing a building. But yeah, I think as what you mentioned, it's, it's very relevant and it takes a little bit the focus out of energy efficiency. We have, it's about buildings and occupants and how to future-proof it. It's about looking at 2050 and beyond instead of trying to see what's next, what's happening in the next two years. That's exactly right. And I think you've, you've touched on this a couple of times and this is a great opportunity to bring it like front and centre. You talked about occupants, people in the homes, the systems, like the whole element, like when we talk about a whole house retrofit plan or a whole house approach to things, um, it also includes how people live in those homes and how people understand to live in those homes. Yeah. And you could have two families living in exactly the same home and this will be way more in, in, in Duncan's world than it is, is in mine, you know, but you will see how differently different groups of people live in their homes, different families live in their homes, have a direct impact on the fabric of that building. And particularly if people are not um, entrusted with the knowledge, basic knowledge of like ventilation versus infiltration. We keep talking about this, about like, you know, what bits, what, where the draft that you should be concerned about is coming from versus where the ventilation that you need is, yeah. is so important to, to understand the difference of. And I think there's like, so there's education that's required just in day-to-day stuff. Like we're in a local community energy group. We're really keen to try and get that basic information out there for people right now. Like put yeah. a snake at the bottom of your door, hang a heavy curtain. You can do those things now. Use a radiator reflector, you know, these sorts of things. Don't block up your air brick. There are very, a lot of quick wins and good list. I have to mention the work that uh, Chris Morgan and other colleagues uh, and together with Seed and the Pebbles have done for and um, in writing the sustainable renovation guide where they are covering all the things that we talked about renovation, but also on how to future-proof buildings and the HEMAC indoor quality guide that um, was published this year on how to um, inform professionals and how to design, build, and measure uh, healthy buildings. So just, uh, they are free to download guides. They are there. You can, uh, you don't have to even uh, invest in it. It's just, well, you can, I think you can pay it. If if you want, you can buy a printed version, but they are there uh, available for for, uh, all of you. So it's, they're really interesting guides. I do recommend that. Those are, I mean, I think that's something that we were talking about as well, about the vast, quantity of information that's out there and how we sort of yeah. pull it together in a, mm-hmm. in a usable source. I think people want to know like, okay, where do I go to for all of this to come together? Um, and there's a couple of different groups that I'm working with at the minute who are looking at trying to bring all of that together. I'm going to keep that as a little uh, <laughs> secret for the new year. Not so much secret, but just like yeah. we, need, we need bodies and arms on the ground doing all this research work to pull it all together. And we're hoping that that's going to be something that ACAN will be doing collaboratively yeah. with some other um campaign organizations but I think those questions about climate resilience really land when you just talk about how the rain falls and the more rain that's coming as opposed to you know okay we're maybe not going to see Australian wildfires in Finsbury Park necessarily Mm. anytime soon but that's not what we mean about like the climate changing immediately in those microclimates and actually the damage of of that rainfall is Mm. is what we're grappling with and how is how is our 
uh, urban design dealing with that? How are our buildings dealing with that? Yeah, I'm also mindful. Sorry, sorry for cutting uh, off there. I, I keep on apologising for things that I keep on doing repeatedly. But I'm minded of um, of Wolfgang Feist, the founder of the Pathfest uh, Institute. Uh, I always come back to this. Um, he wrote on uh, on a there was a, a I think Green Building Advisor blog years ago, which um, uh, pointed out that the reason the institute um, uh, set the air tightness threshold at 0.6 wasn't for energy; it was for structure. Um, that they'd found from researching early attempts at super insulated buildings uh, from the continent and from North America throughout the after the two oil crises in the in the, in the 70s and 80s, um, that in summer wet and winter cold climates, if you don't make buildings airtight and yet you insulate them well, you get vapor getting into the fabric um, and and causing havoc and condensing and causing uh, havoc. So the, the the energy saving element of it, and I think it is really significant, especially in the climate like Ireland, you know, like the, the weather we have in Ireland, for instance, and in Scotland, I suppose as well. Um, you know. Um, it's the 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 energy is almost a, a nice kind of byproduct, but it's a very significant byproduct. Um, so it's just understanding that, and I think it's just I think it just comes down to um, actually taking it's very simple, but an evidence based approach, just mm-hmm. looking with with care um, uh, in a proper kind of peer reviewed you know, process uh, where you can um, uh, at. Um, uh, at properly con- kind of uh, you know conducted studies and you know and uh, and and using that as the basis for for for, for what you do going forward, it seems really obvious. Like I honestly think that every architect, any construction professional, should go at some point get the thermographic camera and walk around and visit buildings. You, it's very very obvious. You don't have to. Uh, you know they are, they are there you or just grab it and just start checking your own house you will see all of this you, you'll see lots of these examples they're not that difficult to find and uh this is not something that we are making up you know that, that was what i was going to ask you where i was like as a christmas present to all our listeners <laughs> all the millions of our listeners yeah um what would be some like actual practical things just to up your game now just to make that and i mean i think that's a great one a thermal Imaging camera is a great yeah. demonstrator. What would be a couple other 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 bits and pieces like that? Like where where should people, if they're listening now and they're thinking, this makes so much sense to me, and and if it's actually going to be a value plus thing for us to invest in time wise, yeah. education wise, what would they be? What would those things yeah. be? So uh, just to take the focus away from energy for a minute, I think indoor quality sensors are. Uh, more affordable than a thermographic camera because thermographic cameras they are now uh, cheaper or more affordable gadgets that you can add to your phone. But comparatively, I think in the quality sensors, I have several in my flat and it, it they make you very aware of the variables, how, what external things do to your house, what, how do you, how can you impact on your house? How can you impact on indoor quality, humidity, what can you? Uh, what happens if you turn or turn off a ventilation system? What happens if you open regularly for twenty minutes, maybe uh, windows? So that's actually great. So if we all could 
uh, get a feeling for that by having sensors. That's actually, a, 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 that's already a lot. That's brilliant. So there you go, Santa. Uh, <laughs> building, building yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, some probes in the chimney. I, I got that for Christmas a couple of years yeah. ago, so. <laughs> I kid you not, and I hope my husband doesn't listen to this right now, but I was going, you know, I went a bit overkill last year on the practical eco thing. So he got things like, you know, reusable silicon pot lids and things like that. And he was like, you know, I mean, I really love the way that you're, you know, so practical with your gift giving, but um, maybe not quite so practical this year. But I got to say, if I gave him those for Christmas, he would be happy out for months on end. So I'm going to take that on and stay. Yeah, don't listen to this. I recommend it. Yeah, the technology element. It's, it, there's definitely something exciting about, you know, uh, to some people anyway. It's, 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 it's this building pathology. It's the, the you know, the, Mm. I, uh, it's a very low rent show to re-referencing and it's certainly not one I'd watch but um CSI kind of um you know it's it's it's, it's that every every building is a, is a, is a is a is a you know a crime kind of site uh crime scene yeah. so, um, so and a know. living living creature that you know it, it ha- sometimes I still get you well I have sensors that also measure levels of pollutants I'm I think I went beyond uh, normal, but it's amazing <laughs> when you find out that you bought a product and suddenly it goes up radically, uh, or you find out that things are happening in your house when you're not there or no one is there, and you you start to understand how things, you know, it's, it can get a bit. Well, I mean, this is what's in- interesting, isn't it? Because we're talking about maybe, and dare I use the phrase again, basic building physics and we're talking about like building pathology and we're talking about disruption when it comes to retrofit and that all these things are sort of framed in this slightly negative lacking way when mm. in actual fact it's fascinating stuff it makes you for much more um much more inventive designers much more creative much more mm. useful like the the whole part of it just seems to me to be just such a great thing to be stepping into like in one way where I can see you know looking at specifically just architects now as opposed to yeah. the whole the, the whole um range of, of building um built environment professionals but just looking at that I can see the frustration where they're coming out feeling I am not ready I'm not prepared for the way I need to be designing yeah now versus the massive opportunity of creativity with some tweaks to the the curriculum that you know they've got and I know there's some universities out there and some great people involved who are trying to change that and trying to make that more effective and useful but like I get really excited as well for the the next generation of people coming into this because the opportunities to do Loving amazing yeah. stuff yeah. is, is huge, mm. you know, and I think that's where practices such as you, yourselves, um, Barbara, and the work that you guys are doing is like mm. so vastly important because it takes it out of, um, you know, numerous um, publications, which are great, but also take quite a lot to get through or um, concerns about standards. But this is like, we're doing this practically. We were doing this anyway. It's really exciting. It's really interesting. Clients are on board. You know, it paints a really positive picture. And then, and then the people who live in these buildings and use these buildings are benefiting from that as well. So it's a Definitely. whole good new story there, is there not? Definitely. I think so. Yeah, I think so. And how all of this is helping us to, to uh, and how are we learning from that process of uh, the first time that we got to buildings to now and how can all of this helped us to develop our own design to identify not only what was going wrong, also what, what works 
uh, and identifying issues. So this is it, it's a learning process. We are we it helped us a lot to our practice to be implementing these things, building performance technique, for example. So it it's it's I, I really encourage other practices to do the same because with very simple. Uh, evaluation techniques or implementing or, or implementing standards that are there now available mm. for, to all of us. They were not there a couple of years ago when we started and they are now available to us. Uh, it's, uh, there is now, uh, there are now available sensors that were completely impossible to pay uh, five years, seven years ago. And now they are available to us to measure buildings. They might not be as accurate as the most expensive ones, but they will give us a clue. They will tell us when uh, um, in the regulation is not good and, and how, wh what do we have to do? And then you have the standard that uh, guides you on what you have to do when those um, those levels are not being met. Uh, one of the interesting uh, things that we worked on with Duncan, sorry, I see Duncan, so I have to <laughs> mention a few examples. For example, we, 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 what we had found out in many of the properties that we were retrofitting, we were analyzing the fabric, we were analyzing comfort levels, and we were analyzing their indoor quality. And for many of the houses that we were, um, that had been recently retrofitted, fabric was not ideal, but it was improving, overall improving the, the property, but the indoor quality levels were very, very poor, concerningly poor. So uh, what Duncan and what our reports managed to do is to introduce ventilation as one of the topics to be considered as part of, uh, of, of retrofit works. Now, past 2035, uh, is talking about that. That's one of the core topics of past 2035. It's there, but at the beginning, the reason how we got there is that we gathered information showing that inner quality levels were poor, and we prepared a report saying how that was impacting uh, the, the building fabric and people's health, and we prepared retrofit recommendations to improve that. Uh, one of them are not only ventilation strategies, but a whole house retrofit approach. So I think it's it's good to try to identify what's available now, yeah. what's available from a, a building performance point of view, what's available in terms of knowledge of training, yeah. uh, trainings maybe um, offered by the AECB, trainings of the Passive House Trust. The, they are, the, the, the knowledge is there. It's it's about, but we do need people maybe to, to, to try to, uh, find that train themselves and incorporate that that's that's important it's really up to the professionals as well i mean if only we had somebody here from the passive house trust i mean many congratulations officially congratulate you i honestly didn't pay barbara to see <laughs> plug there oh, you can find out about training from acp no 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 sorry I, I that's not that has nothing to do with you i i'm a big admirer of what a acb yeah. are yeah. doing but they have been doing historically yeah that's so, uh, it's not the person i think that well, i had to mention that what also cedar is doing mm -hmm. you know there are many organizations yeah. out there uh, and now because this is a more trendy topic 
things yeah. seem to be more accessible for yeah. professionals. But people were already talking about this decades ago. You know, I think it is. It is again just it's heartening to see that there is momentum picking up. And I think what we want to try and do, and part of this platform here, is to is to talk about all those things because it's not about mm. sort of you know plugging this or plugging that. This is good, necessary, much much needed knowledge, and it is out mm. there. And through supporting each other and sharing that, um, I think that's what's really really key is that. People are hungry for the information. We know mm. that it's out there and we can share that and, and want to sort of do that and want to do like, this, you know, there's plenty of room at the table for everybody at this, yeah. like everybody that needs to good. kind of get on board with it. Mm. And I think, um, I think probably um, come close to using up a lot of your last day of working time, um, Barbara, but I, I think if you had any like final statements on, on, things that maybe you're hopeful for in this sphere in coming year? If, if this year was the year of publications, yeah. what might 2020, God, what year is it next year? I still, honestly. Action, I action. Feel, yeah, action. I still feel like we're in 2020. I'm going yeah, to suffer scary, in a big way on the 1st yeah. of January. <laughs> yeah, I think collaboration and action. Mm. Yeah. Uh, make collaboration stronger. Things like Aiken, what's happening with Aiken, what's happening with others. Mm. work on collaboration to make things happen because we can't putting government not governments not acting it's a valid uh, critique but it's not a good it's not an excuse for everything i'm south american so i i come from a background where you can't really rely on governments for everything and you have to act you just have to do things and i think it should be the year of acting i think many people already started to act Mm-hmm. But I am trying to invite others to do the same, I think. Uh, and, and that's also applies to me. If, if I was acting in specific things, that maybe I need to find another topic or to act on. And I think anything social related, anything climate related, it's time to act and, and well, collaborate. I think if everybody could just, if we could all, if we could all just have all of that knowledge that you've got. Barbara in our heads, then we'd all be a much stronger oh, there are people who know much more than me no no <laughs> I would be encouraged to other people <laughs> no but thank you so thank you so much oh. um, for coming thanks on thanks very much for inviting me that's uh, a great chat um, yeah it was a good chat and I feel like I've got a page like I've got pages of notes from things that you said where I'd want to ask more questions but maybe we'll just have to have well, next time yeah <laughs> next time um, yeah. we lost Jeff just at the end because he had to jump off for another um call but I know that he was really again also so keen to like talk more and and very enthused by by our discussion so again thank you so much and um yeah nice that you could join us Duncan in the end I know you've had a full old day of it too It's been, it's been uh, a big day. Now, listen, thanks. It was, it was great, Barbara. It was really, I listened to f- most of it and it was fantastic. Thank you. Thanks, thanks, very, thanks much. very much again for inviting me. And uh, I'm, of course, happy to join you next time to keep talking about the passionate world of rhetoric, <laughs> of <Absolutely>. key <laughs> solutions cool. to make this uh, world better. <laughs> cool. That's, that's Good. exactly it. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks.